0: Welcome to the Surf Coast Creatives podcast. I'm your host Jess Mellington and with me today is co-host Ben.
1: Hey Jess, how are you going?
0: I'm good, thanks. How was your weekend?
1: Yeah, pretty good. It was, uh, it was such a nice day today and a big long Queen's birthday weekend. So finally got out and about down to Forest and saw a few places which was nice and caught up with a lot of people. All the restrictions have eased off a bit so much, much easier to catch up with people now which is good.
0: That's great. Well, you should be ready to dive into today's episode. So we've got episode number six, and we've got Leslie here sitting with us. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. That's great. Um, so Leslie, you're a photographer. I am. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your business? Sure.
2: So I'm a photographer and also a digital marketer for specifically women in business, and also how I say conscious creative. So. Most people that come to me have like a mission-driven business or kind of a deep purpose or a deep why for what they do, what they do. Um, In terms of photography, I have kind of three main um, packages, I guess you would say. So I do a lot of personal branding, which is one of my favorites. And then I also do portraits and I'm just getting into surf photography, which has been really fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds
1: awesome. Yeah. That's just got my attention. something (laughs) I've always wanted to do, so... We'll come back to the surf photography in a second. But yeah. just the, the obviously, the impact of Corona. It's been pretty quiet the last couple of months, I could assume.
2: Indeed, quiet. So all of my photo shoots that were scheduled got pushed back. Um, but funny enough, I had like an uptick in interest for photo shoots. I think because people were realizing that since they couldn't do Um, Or since they couldn't be with people in person, they had to reach out more online and they wanted to show up more on social media or on their website. And so I think people realized that personal branding was really important. And so, yeah, I had a lot more people reach out and say, hey, I know we can't do this right now, but I'd love to do this in the future. And so, um, yeah, I took the time to just kind of create some free resources for people. And um, I did some things like how to take your own brand photos Basically at your house, you know, so just mm-hmm. tips and tricks like that, or like fifteen things to do if work is slow yep. or non-existent, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people were either laid off or they couldn't go in or um, just had a lot of extra time on their hands.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly how the podcast got started. We had a lot of extra time on our hands, mm-hmm. and we wanted to like connect to people, and yeah, so yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um. Oh, when, or when did you start photography?
2: So I, I got a camera when I was probably eight and I was always that kid in school that was taking photos with their friends and like lining everyone up to, (laughs) you know, like everyone smile, cheese. And so I've been taking photos for a long time, but, um, I think as most people do, when you get into school, it becomes kind of like, what's, what path are you going to take or what are you going to do when you grow up? And so for the longest time, I didn't know the answer to that question, And I, I think I thought that I was flighty for a long time. I was like, I don't know. I want to do a lot of things. I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And everyone around me was like, pick something, just pick something and do it. And I'm like, ah, but that's kind of boring. Like, I don't want to just do one thing. Um, so I ended up moving to Hawaii for university and I studied PR and communications. Literally, because my mom told me that would be a good major for me. Like, that's how indecisive I was. Uh, My mom was like, well, you're great with people and you love to talk. (laughs) You should do communications. And I was like, all right. So I did that. And then I had a very short stint in a PR office and was just, I wouldn't say miserable. It was just, I couldn't understand why anyone would want to be in an office for 40 to 50 hours a week. And I was still in Hawaii. So my office was in Waikiki. Waikiki. Literally steps from the beach and yeah. I was just like it, this doesn't make sense why I'm inside right now So I thought well, you know, I'm 20. I guess I was 21 at the time I was like, I'm just gonna do a bunch of random odd jobs pay the rent Travel I actually ended up coming out to Australia for three months and did a backpacking trip um, So yeah, I, I worked for like Lululemon. I was a waitress for a long time. I did my yoga teacher training I taught yoga um, and then I started getting more into photography when I started doing modeling. Mm -hmm. So I was on the other side of the camera, but the more I did it, the more interested I became in being the photographer. So I I made friends with like the photographers and then little by little, they would like lend me their camera for a day so I could play around. And then there's like so much more that goes into the story. But I will say that I started hanging out with really creative people who I saw turn their passion into a career. Mm -hmm. And it was really the first time that I realize that you could make a living doing exactly what you wanted it, especially like particularly in the creative industry mm-hmm. um were, so, you,
0: were you glad that you went to university or like yeah you- yeah
2: i mean i so i i got recruited to play volleyball out in hawaii so it, it kind of hawaii chose me and i was just like <laughs> sure hawaii sounds great i'll go and i university was a blast yeah so much fun yeah um I mean, in terms of like getting the degree that I did, I don't know how much of it I use now, to be honest, I think, but the, the degree itself is probably what got me my next jobs and all of those jobs that I got, even though I didn't necessarily like them a ton or not something that I stuck with, I mm-hmm. took lessons from all of them and I can definitely say I use them all now. So, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So not a total waste? Always.
2: Definitely not.
1: Taking bits and pieces, which is always very useful for stuff that you don't particularly enjoy, like being in PR for a few months, but you still develop skills and stuff that you don't forget.
2: And I think it's hard to remember when you're, if you are, like if you have been in a corporate role or something for a long time and you're trying to make it as a freelancer, you're trying to start your own business, it can feel like it's just taking forever and it's not moving fast enough and I've definitely felt that way too but I try and remember that like everything that I'm learning right now whether or not I like it is going to be a lesson that I can use later so like like you said nothing's wasted yeah unless yeah. you literally waste it like yeah. <laughs> unless you do nothing with it but yeah
1: killing brain cells after college and whatnot but um it yeah. sounds like a terrific story like So you went to university in Hawaii, and I read Mm -hmm. on your About page that you're from the Pacific Northwest in America, which is a magnificent part of the world.
2: It is, yeah. I'm actually from California. So from California, but I moved from the Pacific Northwest to Melbourne.
1: Okay. So that's where I just
2: came from. Yeah.
1: And why Melbourne? How did that come on the radar?
2: Very randomly, my husband and I had always wanted to move abroad, and he works for an international company, so he was kind of our best bet. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he started looking around and uh, Melbourne was one of the first things that kind of popped up. And to be honest, I didn't think much about it. I was like, yeah, apply, go for it. And, um, but then yeah, the recruiter reached out and the steps kept moving forward. And I was like, oh my God, are we moving to Melbourne? And then (laughs) the job offer came through and I was like, I guess we're moving to Melbourne.
1: Did you even know where Melbourne was?
2: <laughs> I did, yeah, because I had came, I had done my three month backpacking oh, yeah, trip in trip. Australia, but I didn't make it here, so I started yep. in Sydney and then did the backpacker route all the way up to like Cape Tribulation. Yep. But from what I had heard, Melbourne was very similar to Seattle in terms of city and um, yeah, good Dark, food cold. and diversity. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You guys actually have more sun than Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, but yeah, so it was a pretty, in terms of transitioning from that city to this city, it was not that bad.
1: And what does your partner do? What's his name?
2: His name's Jared. And Jared, big yeah. shout
1: out to Jared. Maybe <laughs> be tuning in.
2: <laughs> he works for Johnson & Johnson. So uh, yeah. everyone thinks about the baby powder, Johnson & Johnson, but they have a lot of different companies. So yep. he works with um, orthopedic surgeons in theater. So he goes in and consults on product. So essentially if you, you know, I can't. I won't even try to describe exactly what he does, but when soft tissue rips away from bone, he helps repair that.
1: Okay, we'll run yeah. with that. <laughs> so totally different background and sort of interest to you, or do you share common interests when he's not at work?
2: We do. So right now the common interest is definitely, it's always been movement. We're pretty active beings and we love to sweat, basically. <laughs> he likes to sweat in like a way more. He'll go run. 15 or 18 miles and be good, but I'm like at six. I'm like, can we turn around now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, surfing and running, um, and he's also pretty creative as well. So sometimes I give him the camera and let him go wild.
1: 15 to 18 miles at a stretch. So for our Aussie listeners, that's about 30k. Yeah. At a go. So does he do ultra marathons and things or? Um, he's never done an
2: ultra, but he did an Ironman and has done a lot of tries. And so yeah, he. He likes pain in a weird way, like that. I don't know, but yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> um. So, he's got to Torquay. Is he commuting back and forth to Melbourne?
2: Uh, sometimes, but most of his work is in Geelong, thankfully, so it's yep. not too bad.
1: Yeah. So you can fit in a lifestyle here on Torquay quite, quite comfortably. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Definitely. It's nice to be able to wake up now. We used to wake up in Melbourne at 5 a.m. and then like hop in the car, come out for a surf. Drive back to Melbourne or drive to Geelong. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably like two times a week, sometimes three times a week. Mm-hmm. And now it's just wake up, roll out of bed, drink coffee, check check where the waves are. Yeah. yeah.
1: I see. From your Instagram profile, you got quite a following for your photography, and you've taken some great shots, from what oh, I can see. Thank you. When did you get serious about your photography after <sighs> your adventures?
2: Yeah, just
1: in Hawaii and then Australia and.
2: Yeah, probably two years ago is when I really started. So um, I was working at a marketing agency full time. And about the time that we wanted to move abroad, we also had the idea that maybe we should just quit our jobs and go travel. Um, And that didn't work out for my husband, but it worked out for me. I still quit my job. And then at that point, I gave myself a year to kind of... um, explore different options i was again still interested in a lot of things so i said well i'll just give myself a year to really try all of them and see what sticks and what stuck was mostly digital marketing and photography so Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so you're still doing that do you work part-time anywhere else at the moment no
2: so right now i'm just doing photography and digital marketing
1: so the bookings you said you've had a bit quite a bit of interest you know when restrictions ease up and the world goes back to normal, if it ever does.
2: Um, Well, yeah, the new normal, we can (laughs) say. Uh, You might have
1: a bit of work there. So demand is quite good, regardless of what's been happening the last couple of months, like pre-corona, Yeah, yeah. doing lots of shoots.
2: It's been good, and and it's nice too, because a lot of people that are finding me, it's very word of mouth. And I think that might be a shift also just from leaving Melbourne and coming out here, because it is a smaller community. And so I think, you know, if you have a good experience with, anybody in any industry you're going to recommend them you know if you have a good good experience you'll say oh yeah work with that person and so I feel like I kind of worked with one person and then she introduced me to her friend who needed it and it's kind of been a domino so that's been really great
1: so you rely a lot on word of mouth
2: yeah mostly it's been word of mouth and then also as much as I hate it it's Instagram
1: Instagram (laughs) yeah
2: I I don't like having my phone on me a lot and I don't want to be connected to it all the time. Yep. But Instagram really is for me as a photographer, it's a really good marketing tool because someone can hop on my Instagram profile and see all the photos and get a feel for like yep. my style and what I like to shoot. And so, yeah, it's basically, I don't even know if people go to my website, to be honest. I think they just go to my Instagram yeah. <laughs> and then say, and then DM me and say, how can I book? Yeah. So,
1: so not a pivotal part of your strategy, the website, I mean, out of social media. So Instagram, do you have a Facebook page?
2: I don't have a Facebook page. I, for a while, I think I was, um, I was trying to like check all the boxes off. I was like, okay, let's have Facebook. Let's have Instagram. Let's have all this. And then I realized I didn't actually want to manage all of that. And I think Earlier we were talking about how there's so many ways to go about business and there's so many people telling you what you should do or like what can what's going to equal success and I think for me I'm just I realized that I don't need to do it by someone else's checklist like Facebook doesn't feel right for me I don't think my markets really on Facebook so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste my time trying to find people there
1: so looking after looking for female entrepreneurs solopreneurs brands yeah where, how did you come across that? How did you go, right, that's my niche, because obviously yeah. photography is such a broad general area. Yeah. How did you zero in on female entrepreneurs, creatives?
2: Yeah, so I originally started with outdoor photography and landscape um, because in the Northwest, it's there's so much, it's so beautiful, it's ridiculously beautiful. And we were hiking and backpacking every weekend. So I thought, okay, I'll just bring my camera and then I'll start to just shoot everything, like we're already here. Yeah. Um, And so I was trying to kind of get into that industry of outdoor brands or excuse me, the outdoor industry with, you know, the brand like Patagonia, that would have been the highlight of my life. Um, (laughs) Still could be. But anyways, um, so yeah, I started doing that. And then I I did realize though it was like a heavily male dominated industry. And it was also pretty small in terms of photography opportunities. So you really I mean, you could do it, but you had to really, really work hard and you had to like get in there and I also just I felt like there were so many other amazing outdoor photographers I was like this is gonna take me forever to get here and to be honest it kind of took away part of the fun of being outdoors and just experiencing the outdoors for what it was I like always had to have my camera with me it was starting to annoy my husband because I would be like wait stop right here and like let's take a picture you know let's get the gear out and it really kind of took away some of the magic of just being present um, so I started assisting with a couple of female photographers. I started doing some copywriting for female business owners and I think I've always just in general been interested in working with other females. And so it kind of just, it just kind of unraveled that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could totally relate to going from, you know, going out outdoors, checking out a really nice location and then if you're trying to run a business on the back of that and find locations to shoot brands and other things and it's a hyper competitive industry as well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you lose the passion. Yeah. I mean, I tried to do it three years ago because I'm a keen photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting into family portraits and did a few weddings and things to, to get by, but initially just wanted to be a landscape sort of sports adventure photographer. Yeah. But that's tough. Yeah. And as you say, you get out there and it, it can start to feel like a routine.
2: Yeah, and even, because I'm, lo- I'm looking at, I'm assuming your photos back. Yeah. Behind you. Yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. It's even right now with like surf photography is really challenging because I have to choose, do I surf or do I shoot? Mm-hmm. Like I don't get to do both. And a lot of times I really just want it. Like I want to go surf, but then sometimes I'll be out there surfing and be like, God, it's so nice. I wish I had my camera with me. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I think I'm, I'm getting better at getting into the mindset of like If I wake up and I say, okay, today I'm shooting, or like specifically I'm shooting with a person, then that makes it a lot easier. Or I wake up and I say, okay, today I'm surfing and I'm not getting my camera out. So yeah, (laughs) it's hard though.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult balance. One of my big mentors and someone I really looked up to was Chris Burkhart. Oh God, yeah. Northern California. Mm -hmm. He's got about 3 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. Such as the quality of his work. But he was on Instagram very, very early on. So his account very very quickly mm-hmm. he got a massive following but i noticed he goes on a lot, a lot of surfing trips and he's kind of left behind yeah from what you can see on the video footage he's kind of left behind taking photos yeah he doesn't get to surf and all the rest even though he's a keen surfer yeah i'm you sure don't... he fits in a surf every every now and then but
2: yeah you either not... capture the action or you're in the action like you yeah. just can't do both
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's a difficult one so you found that little niche doing portraits with with female entrepreneurs mm-hmm. so Is portraiture something you had to learn beyond taking photos of landscapes and?
2: You know, portraits came pretty easy and I think it's because, maybe because I've modeled for so long that I know what it's like to be on the other side of the camera and so I can feel quite empathetic to people who, you meet a lot of people who don't wanna have their photo taken but feel that it's necessary for their business and so what I try and do is make it as fun, as easy and as like, carefree as possible so that usually means like I make a fool of myself during the photo shoot or I do something funny to get them to laugh or even just having I like usually bring a little um like a JBL with music just to get people to loosen up mm-hmm. and so I think that's something that I can say I feel really good about in terms of my portraits I always think I get a nice like natural easeful I guess kind of look yeah. um with people and they don't feel really like Stiff as a board. Yeah, three, two, one, smile.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is super, super awkward. I found a few tricks yeah, to get people to sort of relax and especially the husbands. I did a lot of family oh, portraits. Yeah. Guys it are was haunted. so hard to get dad to just loosen up. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a few little tricks there, but in terms of your business model, so. Do you want to take us through how you make generate revenue from your business?
2: Yeah, I noticed so, you've got a few
1: different package options on your website.
2: Yeah, so I have like a personal branding package, which is usually a two-hour shoot. We go through a branding survey just so I understand a little bit more um, about someone's purpose and kind of why mm-hmm. they're doing what they're doing. Um, we do we create a mood board together, so we share a lot of images to get kind of the look and feel. Um, And then I have a checklist that I send out that's all about, you know, like, what props do you want to bring? Do you have any brand colors? Like, where's the location you want to shoot? So the personal branding ones are like the longest and most, I guess, time and energy intensive. And then portraits are less so because it's usually just about getting a couple really nice photos for social media or for um, like marketing materials or a website. And then surf is still pretty new, but it's looking like, about an hour of shooting essentially and then I I will because it's so you never quite know what you're going to get with surf photography no. it's you know I, I just shoot a ton and then we'll edit a bunch of photos and send it in one big gallery so yeah
1: so this is shooting girls surfing on their long boards short boards yeah, whatever it may yeah.
2: be yeah so I've um
1: Are you getting out in this super heavy surf at Bell's Beach and
2: I haven't at Bell's. Um, I've been shooting with a gal lately. Her name is Lindley. She works for Patagonia. And she's so fun to watch surfing because she's just freaking rips. And um, we go out to... I'm thinking it's boobs. I feel like there's three breaks. I'm pretty sure it's boobs.
1: Yeah, boobs or stuff. Yeah, and there's
2: been a couple days we've gone out and I'm like, okay, like, say a little prayer. I think I'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's it's just hard work and I, I don't think I realized how like swell direction and like the the oceans out here are dangerous or like the yeah. beach breaks and stuff, you know, like you can get swept up pretty quickly. Yeah. And then there's the reef you have to be careful about. Yeah. And then other surfers, I always want to make sure that I'm respecting where they're at and not getting in their way, especially because if I'm not taking photos of them, they're like, yeah. <laughs> but you make friends really quick. If you have a camera out there, like old men, young guys, girls, anyone, kids, Groms are so excited. They're like, are you taking photos? Like, here's my email. This is my Instagram handle. Tag me. Have you had
1: any inquiries from guys surfers saying, hey, get I actually come out and shoot a few pics?
2: Well, some guy just, he, um yeah, he paddled past me and he's like, you should sell these. He was just like, you should put these up on a website and sell them. He's like, I'm sure people would buy them. But it's not something I've really looked into yet. I yeah. Kinda, yeah.
1: So you have a full... Water housing for your camera?
2: Yeah, I have an Aquatech water housing.
1: So how, how much did you spend on that?
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... Okay, the funny thing is I'm pretty sure I charged it to my American credit card because the exchange rate was so good for Australian US. I want to say in American it was 1200 or so.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not too bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. So That's I, about
1: the going rate for a warehousing.
2: Yeah, and because they didn't... Um, they didn't have one for my camera. So actually, let me back up. I did a a surf photography workshop up in Byron last year. So that's kind of how this all started. And AquaTech sponsored it essentially. So they had someone come down and teach us how to work it and how to take care of it and all that. And um, yeah, I just, I kept in contact with that guy. And then when I was ready to buy, I just went straight to him. Um, So he kind of redid one for me, like refurbished essentially. Um, And I just have like, one housing for one lens, I'm not trying to get too... Because you can get very yeah. detailed with all your gear. And, it, yeah, get some more credit card points.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what sort of body are you using?
2: I have a 60. That Canon 60, Canon sorry. 60,
1: yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a professional setup. Did you try out the GoPro, the Hero 7 and 8 and those things?
2: I've never done those. I think probably just because surf photography is still... I, I just really got into it, and so i kind of once i did the surf photography workshop i was pretty sold i was i was like there's you know there's kind of levels i guess you can say like in terms of how how invested you want to get into it and i just thought i want to i want to invest so i'm just going to go for it like i'm just going to get the housing
1: (laughs) yeah i've had similar considerations i've got an olympus em1 and there's one specific housing for that camera and it's 1800 dollars or something like that and it kind of put my hopes and dreams of photography on hold for a little Mm. bit because it's a, it's a huge amount of money to to go out there and start testing, let alone selling prints and making a living from it. So
2: you can start a little piggy bank, put put a couple dollars away a month and
1: I should have enough in about 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) No, but there is that element of just buying the gear as well to get started. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously if it's paying off for you now, then it was the right move.
2: Yes. And I'm, definitely i've well a i've never wanted to carry around much gear um and so my setup is super simple and it's that's fine for me because i'm not trying i'm not a sports photographer like i don't need extremely long lenses um yeah what i do can be done with a couple lenses so i really try and keep it minimal
1: yeah that's very cool Mm
0: -hmm. so you're in the water with the surfer when Mm -hmm. you're doing that yes Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so you have flippers on to kind of help you get around but other than that, you're just floating. Okay. Oh, actually, you're not floating. You were working extremely hard yeah. to, like, <laughs> kick around and get into the right place. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Some of those tides are pretty heavy, so all you've got is flippers. Do you take, a, yeah. like, a boogie board to...
2: No, a only board because... surfboard just to rest on, or...? I, I wonder if I could. I'd never thought about that, but you just need to move around so quickly, usually, yeah. that anything other than, like, your body and the housing, it kind of gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty heavy too. I don't know if you've held like an Aquatec yeah. with a camera in it. It's like my arms are typically sore afterwards, as yeah, are my cats. legs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> any tips out there? There might be a few surf uh, photographers listening in, but any tips for keeping that lens clean during the shoot?
2: Ah, so yeah, I've tried a couple things. Um, I think it depends on the port you have, whether it's like a, a dome or a fish or a. Mine's just as flat, so um, I've used just like a, a lens cleanser before and that seems to work pretty well I've also tried doing wax like candle wax on it yeah. and then rub like kind of buffing it
1: out it's one of Chris Burkhart's tricks isn't yeah, it
2: yeah so that helps too um I think for the dome ones they say to lick it but yep. that hasn't really helped mine so
1: yeah I've seen a few YouTube video tutorials of guys just licking their lenses <laughs> and yeah actually it's it's apparently it's the best method so yeah
2: and then another one that um I think they told us at the workshop was. Keep your, keep the camera underwater for as long as possible. And then when you're going to shoot, just bring it up. So you're not essentially keeping it above the water the whole time where yeah. water droplets can come. So just like keep it down. And then when you're ready to shoot, bring it up.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So surf photography, portraits, what was the other?
2: Personal branding. Personal
1: branding. Yeah. So is your client base typically Torquay or are you finding you're getting quite a few inquiries from Melbourne as well?
2: Yeah, so when when we lived in Melbourne, it was all Melbourne, and then now that we've moved, I'm working a lot more with the Surf Coast women, which is such a dream. It's so cool. Um, And then the other cool thing is I'm still getting people from Melbourne asking, but now I get to bring them up here because I'm not trying to go back into Melbourne. No offense, Melbourne, it's a great (laughs) it's a great city, but just I'm a nature gal, and it's like I want to be by the beach, and I'm finding a lot of women also want to come up and do more like landscape backgrounds or, you know, they, they don't want to be in the city where it's a lot of concrete or brick. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime I can bring someone from the city up here, I'm like, hey, I know this great beach. You yeah. should come up here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and where do you typically go for those shoots?
2: I won't tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Point Secret Addis. Secret location. Point Addis oh, yeah. is definitely a favorite. Yeah. Um, been to Southside a few times. Um, actually is a great location i need to find some more out in the fields i think but i I always gravitate towards water Mm. so if you guys have any spots well 13th
1: beach is great Mm. if you want that big big long landscape background yeah okay And there's nothing between there's no housing developments or anything along 13th beach and it's a huge stretch of beach
2: i'll put that on the list
1: personal favorite so thank you not too many people please
2: that's perfect. Yeah. Cause I'm not a Photoshop whiz. So, oh, I mean, it's yeah. easy enough to just, you know, get people out of the way in a photo, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a cool business and you're obviously very passionate about it. Is there anything else? I know you do a bit of yoga. Yeah. Is that, that's just a hobby though? Uh,
2: it is now. Yeah. I taught for a while. I did my teacher training when I lived in Hawaii and then I taught there, But then when I moved to the mainland, I, that was the time when I was doing like six jobs at once just doing all the things and it was super fun. And then I got burnt out and was like, okay, I think it's time to get the big girl job. Like let's get a salary, let's get retirement. That wasn't as fun as I thought it would be.
0: (laughs) How long long did you do that?
2: So I did, I was a technical recruiter for eight months, which Mm -hmm. is essentially I was um, filling teams for tech companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Boeing or T-Mobile um which I originally thought was going to be really cool I thought that like oh great you get to work with people and place them in jobs that they're really excited about and um, I love goal setting so I'm always like excited to talk about that with people but it was very much more of like a turn and burn situation just like get people in a seat doesn't matter like Mm. move move on so I lasted eight months which I was trying to make it to a year because I don't know if it's like This in Australia, but I think in the states there's kind of this like you have to stay in a company for a year for your resume. Is that a thing here? Yeah, when I worked
0: in in the states, I worked in Florida on the boats on the super Mm yachts, and every like all the Americans like you can't leave the boat until it's 12 months. Like it'll look really bad on your resume, yes, and it's I was like, so,
2: oh. It's so funny, there's this weird, I don't know who started this, but they were like, you have to stay at a job for at least a year, otherwise it'll look weird on the resume or the CV, and people will ask, why did you leave? And I, I was finally like, if they ask me why I left this job, it's because it's sucking my soul and I am not happy. Like, yeah. Why would you wanna stay in a job that's yeah. making you miserable? Like, yeah. Just for a piece of paper? No, thank you. <laughs>
1: No, very true. I think it's more of a two year thing over here. But it's mm-hmm. it's like you have to go through a cycle. In yeah. finance it used to be two years. It's like you've done everything you possibly can to try and enjoy this job but you can't and you're leaving.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean I think there's I think that there's definitely value in sticking something out and and you know, moving through challenges and not just giving up because it's hard. But there comes a time I think when you realise like, okay, why am I still here? Like, is it just because I'm trying to like meet that 12, 12 month Mm. mark? Or am I literally this unhappy? I mean, I was really to a point where I was like, going into work gave me anxiety. Mm. And I was like, "Mm, this is not like, that shouldn't make you freak out going into work, you know, like you shouldn't be nervous every day about it. Mm -hmm. It was just a very high intensity, you know, 7am to 6pm kind of a job. And I didn't, have much of a life outside of it
1: yeah they're massive hours aren't they 7am to 6pm that's yeah. goodbye life and you're so, like what's the
2: what's the point like exactly. I'm supposed to do this until I'm 65 yeah and then start my life <laughs>
1: yeah. so you talked about the big girl job was yeah. obviously a little bit of pressure from is that pressure from friends and family or society
2: funny enough society not so much friends and family I think I remember talking to my mom post graduation and asking her if she was like disappointed in me that I wasn't using my degree. And she said, honey, as long as you're happy and healthy and I'm not paying for your stuff anymore. She was like, do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was more of a society thing. And, and in Hawaii having six jobs or two jobs was very normal. I think people there are much more, much more into quality of life and they want to have the time to be with their families they want to have the time to go surfing they want to just enjoy their time on the planet versus yeah have their have their time sucked away by working too
0: much so now how do you spend a a typical day if you're not you know, stuck in that nine to five, or seven to six job.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, a typical day, it kind of, I'm sure you've heard this answer a lot, but it changes based on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But um, so I have kind of a pretty like strict morning routine that if I don't do it, it kind of like it it makes the day, it, start, it doesn't start the day off right if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I wake up at 5 a.m. every day and I'm a morning person, so it's not that hard. Um, And then from five to six, I do a little bit of journaling. You guys heard of morning pages? No. It's like um, writing three pages of stream of consciousness type writing. So I do that, do some reading, meditate, and then typically it's like check the waves, go for a run, or do yoga. Mm -hmm. And then when all that's done and breakfast has been had and more coffee has been served, then work starts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's quite an active morning. Like that's an early start. That's a lot of activities.
2: I go to bed at nine. So yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so religiously in bed at nine. My partner is an early riser as well.
2: Thankfully, yes, we are very much on the same page of early to bed, early to rise. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Weekends, do you sleep in a bit and I take try. it all in? Or are you still um, up early.
2: Usually still up early. Probably like if we sleep in, it's like six thirty or seven.
1: Yeah. So most, <laughs> it's an early morning for a lot of people. I know. But that's but great. That's the best time to go surf. We find it finding it's a common thread among our guests that they get up early and they are doing stuff, whether it's meditation, something, some sort of creative exercise to get the brain going for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be a really common thread.
2: Yeah, so, well, there's the 5 a.m. club, right? Yeah, Have you ever heard of that?
1: that?
0: Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is the
1: guy, is it Robin Sharma, who wrote... Uh, the man who stole the the monk. the monk who stole the ferrari is that the book
2: <laughs> nah, uh, we'll uh, google uh, it after yeah
1: and then he people started talking about that book and he was an early riser and then he wrote the 5am club mm-hmm. so interesting i'm not i haven't actually put it into practice yet we we wake up fairly early i mean that's lately we've been waking up when we wake up yeah. given yeah. that we haven't had that full schedule during the day. so.
2: Yeah, I think especially during coronavirus, having those rituals and things that are just set that you do because the rest of the day, if you're working from home or just so much has changed, that it's nice to have something that has not changed. And so for mm-hmm. me, that's kind of the morning.
1: And your work, so responding to emails, inquiries, do you actively go out and seek clients or do you sit back and wait?
2: To think I a little bit of both but maybe not in the way that you would think like I don't do traditional advertising or anything but if I find someone that's doing something cool or or even just um, I'll I, I was like I'll slide into someone's dms I'm very much like I'll just uh, like open up a conversation and get to know somebody if I think they're doing something cool mm-hmm. and whether or not that leads to a photo shoot not really the point of it but like typically it ends up being that I'll meet all these really cool girls doing cool things. And then it could be months later. It could be the week after that they're like, Oh, that's what you do. Let's do a photo shoot. But so yeah. I'm mean, in terms of like going out for work, I guess that's kind of, it's more just building relationships. I think Yeah. it's just kind of building a community. Um,
1: so it's kind of an easy introduction and then yeah. get to know and then possibly get some work down the track.
2: Yeah. And I think because I, I, care so much about what I do and my my why feels really strong. Even if, again, if it doesn't lead to something, I love connecting people. So it's like if I have a friend who doesn't need photography but she needs um, someone to do her visual branding, I usually have someone in my back pocket that I can be like, oh, I met this gal a couple months ago. She does visual branding. I'll connect you guys. And that always feels really good just to kind of keep that energy flowing and keep Mm -hmm. giving work to more women. So I like that. Mm
1: I think it's kind of reflective of the way you reached out to us initially. You kind of introduced yourself. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then... I have no
2: shame. I just jump in. Yeah. <laughs> Can
1: I be on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a look at your stuff. It was really cool. So just particularly interested in that stream of targeting female entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. I mean, photography, such a broad general area and mm. for you to target and have the courage, I guess, to target that niche. Is that something you got from a mentor?
2: Um... Let me think about that. I I do remember hearing at one point, I had this idea that I didn't want to turn away anybody, especially when you're new to something. So when I was new to photography, I just wanted to work. I just wanted to take photos. And so it didn't really matter who was approaching me about it, whether it was a guy or a family, I would refuse to do weddings only because high anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not an anxious person, but like, no thank you. but yeah, I, I didn't want to turn anyone off. I just wanted to like do all the work that I could. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I had more passion behind photographing certain people or certain things. And so I did hear it somewhere that was like, you you don't have to be for everyone. And in fact, you shouldn't be for everyone because it means you're not doing anything special. Oh. So like you're you have to really dig into what you believe in and you're gonna turn some people off and that's great because you probably don't want to work with them anyways, you know, yeah. like that's yeah. not, that's not your market. So just like hone in, do what you want to do. And then I think that's why in terms of, um, photographing females, like I've, I can't even think of the last time a guy reached out to me is because if he looks at my Instagram feed, he won't yeah. see himself on it. And he knows yeah. that I'm not the photographer for him. Yeah. yeah. So you're
1: targeting the right traffic. I read a quick quote the other day that as a freelancer, creative entrepreneur, artist, like if you target everyone, you target no one. Yeah. So you do have to find a little niche and, and yeah. sort of go after it, don't you?
2: Well, even just to speak to your audience. Like if you are trying to speak to everyone, what's your voice? Like what are you yeah. even saying? So like when I am writing a caption for Instagram or if I'm doing some copywriting on my own website, I can very clearly envision who I'm speaking to because yeah. they're, they're the gals that have hired me. So, yeah. yeah, it makes it a lot easier, actually.
0: Yeah. I liked on your website, your about page on the section. I think it's the second section where you're like, I'm a Libra oh. and you talk about your personality um, type. Mm. And I think we matched it like I have that the campaigner anyway. Oh, yeah. But ENFP. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like oh, I'm obsessed with personality they're so yeah. fun, aren't <laughs> so they? Good. And then
2: I feel like when you find someone else that's yeah. obsessed, you're just like, what's your star sign? What's yeah.
1: your?" <laughs> I'm actually a Libra as well. So oh, what date your... were you born? October 14th. I'm 16th. Nice. Mm. I do photography and copywriting and I'm <laughs> a Libra.
2: <laughs> I've never met a Libra that I didn't like and I'm 100% serious on that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah.
1: Um, so ENFP, do you want to explain that, Jess? What does ENFP oh, mean? I can't remember. Personality test. I think it's extrovert. Something's intuitive
0: it, yeah it just means you're really in tune with yourself healer uh, you love connecting with people
2: perceiver yeah and variety
1: it's
0: like types of you want to know what makes the other person tick and you want to connect and like, get involved in that yeah. well that's yeah what i took out of it
1: yeah agreed would you say that extroversion is a prerequisite for running your own business or not necessary in the slightest
2: oh it's a hard question for me to answer as an extrovert because i don't know any different Mm. so i think that mm, my extrovertedness is that a word extrovertedness would say (laughs) it's a word now Yeah, it's a word now (laughs) i think it would it might be a little more challenging to be an introvert and run your own business but i mean i'm sure there's challenges of extroverts too i just don't see them
1: (laughs) yeah well that's true isn't it i mean I mean, extroverts, you like to be out there chatting with people, so extroverts might struggle with the grunt of running a business, the mm. administration side, the you know, the back and forth emails and scheduling and times and all the rest.
2: All the non-fun things.
1: <laughs> and I guess introverts might thrive on those aspects of a business, so I guess it's a bit of, I don't think there's an absolute answer yeah. to that question. Yeah. It's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. It's um, getting on the subject of personality and all the rest and... Uh, mindset and inspiration who inspires you in this world
2: Mm, I have a lot of inspirations but um Brene Brown do you guys follow her work I have read all of her books listened to all of her TED talks multiple times I feel like I'm always like quoting her or sending her quotes to people or sending her videos to people um yeah I think she tackles really hard things to talk about like vulnerability and shame and guilt and nobody wants to talk about that because it's uncomfortable yeah. but um yeah I just think she's doing really good deep hard soulful work that we can all benefit from so i definitely say she's one of the top
1: yeah, she's big on failure and vulnerability, isn't she? Like mm-hmm. she teaches people not to be ashamed of your yeah. mistakes and your failure and your, your shortcomings as a human being.
2: Yeah, the gifts of imperfection is one That's, of her big, this book big, I was big trying books. Trying to think of yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's in the way that she she's so authentic in her writing and just she always kind of lays her own stuff on the table too. So she. She doesn't come to you as like a, oh, I'm this sage on the stage kind of a thing. Call it, she's like the guide on your side, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate that.
1: I do recall reading something about her and she was a massive intro- introvert at the beginning, like the first TED talk that she did.
2: Oh, I yeah, I think I read that Is she that hasn't watched it.
1: She hasn't watched She
2: hasn't watched her own TED Talk because. She
1: had sweaty palms, she felt like she was going to pass out.
2: Yeah, because she. Um, now she gets She had to... a vulnerability hangover, she said, after the TED Talk. Really? And it's one of the most watched TED Talks. I think it's in the yeah. top 10. Yeah, but it's a great one if you haven't watched it.
1: Yeah, so yeah. she practices what she preaches. I think that's one of the top 10 TED Talks of all time. So yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. the Brown talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else in the photography world? or close to home, family, oh, friends?
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah, actually, um, well, the two assistants um, that I, the two photographers that I assisted with back in Seattle have definitely been a major influ- positive influence in my life. So um, one of them, her name is Brooke Fitz, and she's just, every photo she takes is just perfection. She reads light so well. She knows all the technical aspects. She's been in photography since... Like when she took it in high school, I think it was film only. And so, um, yeah, she, I was really lucky to be able to assist with her and just to go with her on photo shoots. And um, usually she works a lot for like the big Seattle restaurants. So we'd have just heaps of food after the photo <laughs> shoot. We'd sit down and have a glass of wine. And those were always really fun. Um, and then the, the other uh, photographer, her name's Karina Skrobecki, and she's actually a wedding photographer which was again never something that I wanted to do, but I helped her with mostly with digital marketing and then also um, some photography work and just her consistency is just unreal. Like you can put her in any photo situation and her photos will come out looking spectacular and the same every time. Like you can look at her photo and know that she took it.
1: It's consistency. Yeah. Which is massive. Uh, like uh, the biggest photographers on Instagram, their consistency is just flawless. Yeah. Every single time, mm-hmm. people that are sort of making their way on Instagram, you can see a little bit of inconsistency. But guys that have been at it for five, ten years, you just see that's flawless, as yeah. you say, in terms of consistency and quality. So that's in terms of learning. That's face to face, and that you've got with people working directly with them. Is there any mm-hmm. other online resources that you use, like? Yeah, Skillshare.com like, has been I, mentioned quite a few times. Yep,
2: I used Skillshare for about a year. I also forgot to cancel my subscription, so I got <laughs> recharged for another year, but I was like, well, I guess I'll learn some more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Skillshare was good. Um, YouTube, honestly. I I think I'm kind of late to the YouTube game, Like, which is the amount of things you can learn on YouTube. Yeah. You can type in anything, so... Mm. Like, there's a photographer in Sydney. Her name's Julia Trotti, and she's really big on portraits. Um, So, yeah, I'll just, like, YouTube her and just watch. She does behind-the-scenes for her photo shoots. So, like, YouTube has been huge. Um, What else? I feel like Skillshare and YouTube has been kind of my Mm go-tos.
1: Yep, so self-taught. Yeah. PR communications certificate, but self-taught in photography.
2: Yeah, which can be which can be difficult. I feel like I've talked to people who have gone to school for photography and I mean, and even they say it's difficult, you know, you can get out of school with a degree in photography, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get the work that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think one of my biggest pieces of advice would be whatever you want to do, if if it's in a creative field or not, like get a mentor, especially if you have no really experience and you are teaching yourself because damn, damn, it takes a long time to teach yourself. And then to get that feedback from someone else, you'll just learn and develop so much faster.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of Chris Burkhart. He used to show up to a massive, I can't remember his name. He was a big landscape photographer in North America. And he showed up to his office and basically knocked on the door and said, "Oh, I'll make you coffee and tea, whatever you want. Just yeah. take me in and I'll be. And he ended up traveling with him all over North America.
2: Oh, it's amazing. can't remember
1: his name, but. Similar to that.
2: Yeah. And and also, I mean, there's a lot of humility with that too, right? It's just no job, no job is too small, especially yeah. when you're starting out. Like if it means getting coffee for someone just so that you can be with them when they're doing their craft, just so you can watch them or hear the conversations that they have, like do whatever you need to do. Like just, yeah, yeah just be there. Yeah.
1: yeah. And getting to our... One of our big questions on the Surf Coast Creators podcast. Mm. So, awesome story. Lots of energy and focus and passion we can mm. see. So, on the subject of creativity, do you believe that creativity is something you are born with, or is it something that can be nurtured?
2: I think that it's both. I think we all have creativity, and whether or not you nurture it is. I think the more creativity you use, the more creativity you have. Um, but I think where the challenges is, is probably i mean if you think about kids and how innately creative and imaginative they are and then at some point in the growing up process maybe they get told to like stop like stop playing or maybe they drew a picture and they had a teacher that said like you know that's not very good or something there's hmm. probably these outside forces that children internalize to say, well, I can't be, I'm not creative. You know, they don't have the language to say that, but there's probably something that happened along the way where they just didn't want to put themselves out there anymore because they were told they weren't good or they got their feelings hurt or something. So I feel like we all have creativity and that we all should use it because it'll make the world better. Um, But yeah, I think you, you, you definitely have to nurture it or it's just kind of sitting latent.
1: Yeah. And for anyone sitting in an office who's you've got the office job, the regular 9 to 5, might feel a bit stifled and a bit frustrated, what what would be your, your number one piece of advice just in terms of creativity to start pursuing creativity a little a little bit more actively?
2: Yeah. I would say figure out how you want to be creative because I do think that there's the idea of creativity is you have to be A painter or a sculptor or a musician or a photographer, or you need to, I don't know, it's like kind of a narrow Mm. view of what creativity is where like you can be creative solving a problem at work. You know, you can be creative in a conversation that you have with someone. So I think there's a lot of different ways to be creative, but usually I think there's something inside us that's saying, wouldn't it be really cool if I did this? Or like, oh, I've always been thinking about wanting to try this. And then we kind of shut it down. So it's like, maybe that voice is telling you that you really want to try cooking. It's like, okay, cool. Like, maybe you could go take a cooking class or maybe you can invite friends over. And I actually just had this idea with someone. Mm -hmm. I want to have friends over and everyone brings two ingredients and then we decide what we're going to make once everyone's there. Yeah, you just make it on the go, you know? So like, just little things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so it's about getting rid of that stigma. Surrounding creativity, I guess, isn't it? The stereotypical view of creativity, which is, you know, I'm not into watercolor paintings on weekends, so therefore I'm not creative. Right. It's a whole different, completely different, like, there's a lot of technical guys and girls out there that are very, very creative problem solvers.
2: Yeah. Or even, like, go to a nursery and get a couple of, like, different color flowers and plant something in your garden. Like, creativity... If you're stuck on how to be creative, just Google just literally just type into <laughs> Google like fifty creative things I can do yeah. Yeah. and I swear to God you will find like a thousand vlogs with yeah. so many different ideas on how to be creative.
1: Yeah. We've actually thought about doing that as a giveaway as an ebook, you know nine ways to unleash your creativity, something like mm, that yeah and funnily, funnily enough, we bought this house three months ago, and we I don't have a clue when it comes to gardening. Jess's got a bit of a clue. <laughs> But last week we watched a series on. It's called a masterclass. Masterclass. Com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Annie Libowitz,
2: yes. photographer, is oh, on there. Oh, speaking of inspiration, I can't believe I missed her. But <laughs> I was yes. going
1: to mention it. But no, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a, a a show on there called The Gardening Gangster. Oh my gosh. And this guy's like full gangster. He's like from the western suburbs of LA, and he teaches this class, and it's the way he does it is so humorous, but. It went for two hours and we watched it out of pure curiosity and we're trying to build a garden. Mm. But um, it got more out of that than 12 years of primary school, high school, where you <laughs> learned virtually nothing about gardening and herbs and sustainability and all the rest. Mm. So it was crazy.
2: I think you touched on something too when you said curiosity. Like just being curious about maybe again like that voice inside of you that kind of wants to do something or wants yeah. to try something. And especially as an adult, I feel like we have a lot of, voices in our own head that say like don't try that you're gonna look stupid or like don't try that like you don't know yeah. what you're doing or like you're too old to start surfing or whatever it is you know yeah. and it's yeah. like just shut those up like just shut <laughs> them up just go do it I think that actually putting like just putting yourself in the action and doing it will quiet those voices yeah. pretty immediately I mean you might still feel stupid doing it but you will feel so much better knowing that you did it yeah, yeah. and Honestly, who are you trying to impress? If that like someone thinks you look stupid, whatever. Yeah. Be a kook. Who cares? Kook
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Central.
2: Yeah.
1: I learned to surf at age thirty six. So I've been surfing now for nearly eighteen months, but I'm still a kook yeah. and guarantee. So. And you know what?
2: Rep it. Who cares? Yeah. Like <laughs> whatever.
1: <laughs> so good advice there. So you had the advice about finding a mentor, you had the mm-hmm. advice about curiosity and just going for it. Mhm. Have you got big piece of advice perhaps let's let's take it in terms of people out there that are sort of they might have a freelance job or a hobby or side interest side hustle they're trying to convert that from um, part-time income into full-time income what Mm. would your number one piece of advice be for those people
2: oh that's heavy (laughs) number one piece of advice um well i would probably I feel like the advice I should give is around money about like being really smart with your money. If you want to, you know, everyone's situation is different in terms of finances and one person might feel ready to leave a part-time job or excuse me, a full-time job sooner, maybe with less money than someone who wants to feel really secure in knowing um, that they have kind of a cushion. So I'll just use me as an example. So I'm in a partnership. My husband still kept his job. I saved some money and we also had really, we didn't really have that much, like we lived below our means. So our rent was really cheap. We had a company car that we didn't pay for. Like I used public transportation. Yep. Um, the business that I was starting, I have barely any overhead. It's like, as long as I have my camera gear, my laptop, internet, it's pretty pretty solid. So yep. like me leaving wasn't as scary as someone who might, you know, have a mortgage or have kids or so just keeping that in mind that you know just because someone else has left the job and is doing the full-time thing now it doesn't mean that you're behind it just means that it might take you some more time yeah um that wasn't really advice (laughs) (laughs) something around money I just well um, it just
1: goes back to not being rash don't make rash decisions you can still follow your passion yeah and your interest and your curiosity can't you without leaving you know, your family in a financial black hole.
2: Yeah, and I can't, I'll quote this, I didn't say it, it's um, Marie Forleo, who's a business coach, Um, I've taken it as kind of my own mantra, is clarity comes from engagement, not thought. So I think a lot of times we try and think our way to what the perfect scenario looks like or how things are gonna end up once we do this, and it's like, really, we don't know and we can't really think ourselves to the answer. Like, you actually just have to take a step. Like, you don't have to jump. Yep. Don't leap. Furthermore, that leap in the net will appear. That's not true. Let me just say. I'm not I'm not talking from experience, but I feel like that bumper sticker of like leap in the net will appear. It's like it might appear, but it yeah. might not. Yeah. Like, and if you're going to leap, you should be ready to know that it might not catch you. Yep. Yeah. You know? So. Maybe that's my
1: advice. That. <laughs> <It> <laughs> um, could be that first major failure that you learn from.
2: Right, exactly. And, and as long as you're okay with the risk, I think yep. just... um, have, Do you guys know Tim Ferriss? Yeah. Okay, so fear nice setting. Have you done fear setting before?
1: No, so like picturing your worst case scenario. Yeah, so like maybe that. this
2: will be my advice. Well, it's more Tim Ferriss' advice. But he we did this when we were deciding whether we should move to Australia because... He got the job, we were super excited, and then all of a sudden we were like, wait, do we even really want this? Like, we have to leave our friends, our family, our community. Like, this is a huge, life-changing move. Um, And we were scared. We were so scared. So we did fear-setting, which is essentially breaking down all of the fears to the worst-case scenario. And then once you get to the worst-case scenario, you figure out... um, Excuse me. You get to the worst-case scenario, then you figure out what you would do if that happened. Mm -hmm. And then essentially being like... Am I willing to take that risk, you know? So for us, for instance, we were like, the worst case scenario is we hate it, we're miserable, which we're not. And <sighs> worst case is we move home. Yeah. And like, maybe we kind of have to start over a little bit, but, yeah. you know, and we're like, we can live with that. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I do remember reading that chapter in Tim Ferriss' book. And I, I can tell you now, I read that book in Byron Bay and having been an analyst for 12 years in finance, mm. I was trained to be very, very Mm sceptical, and I saw the title for that book, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me, (laughs) but my girlfriend at the time, ex-partner, not made me buy the book, but I bought the book out of curiosity, and she kind of encouraged me to buy it, to sort of, maybe I could see the world differently. Mm. I can tell you now, after reading that book, I couldn't put it down, and I cannot look at the world the same, Mm. and ended up leaving finance, and did all those sorts of scenarios, and what would be my worst case scenario? Well, broke, living with mum and dad. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I love that story though. That. Yeah. yeah.
2: And like, look at you now. Like, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We
1: bought a house. We were following our creativity and our passion. Um, we're getting there with the podcast, growing an, on, an audience. So it pays yeah. off. It, it takes time though. That's yeah. probably the key point.
2: And I think at the end of the day... Six
1: years since I read that book.
2: So. Yeah. Like if you ask anyone who's actually leapt and not been caught by anything or landed on their face i feel like most people will say i'm still so glad i did it yeah. you know unless it was like a dire situation at the end but mm. i mean if you're still alive and well like it's just a lesson yeah. you know
1: so. yeah exactly right so i think yeah well for listeners who, have, who haven't read the four hour work week <laughs> Uh, he's written a few other books hasn't he Tim Ferriss mm-hmm, but yeah. he's got a really good podcast as well called the Tim Ferriss show so mm-hmm. constantly tune into that but we are getting close to an hour I can't <laughs> believe it it's gone super fast it so has. I've taken over a bit given that the subject was photography so.
2: <laughs> well that's the good I, that's the thing about having multiple interests though right and being yeah. passionate about a lot of things you can find common ground on so much
1: yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we could cover a lot more in terms of photography but the focus for our podcast is business mindset creativity and inspiration so mm. i'll hand it back to jess to <laughs> wrap up episode episode six
0: yeah well thank you so much for your time today it was really good to have you on the show um yeah we're getting close to an hour so we'll just finish up um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and follow you
2: yeah so if you want to go to my website it's just my name www.lesliecarvito.com um, and then instagram is probably where i'm most active and that is underscore lunar
0: rising perfect all right well thank you so much for being um, a part of the show and we hopefully will get you back soon um, if you're interested um, that's about it we'll just wrap it up there and thank you everyone for tuning in
1: Thanks, Leslie. Thanks Thanks. very much for your time today. Awesome story. So Thank you guys
0: so much.
2: I might just hang out and keep talking to you guys. Stay on
1: the line. Thank you. Thanks, guys.